I love the gospel today, huh? It's one of my favorite gospels. I use it almost every funeral liturgy because it's the one that's so much filled with hope. And again, it's from John's gospel. So let's all, if you have your Bibles, open to John's gospel. And uh, I want to start, it's in John chapter 11. And we, I want you to go to verse 34. And this is where we want to start. Chapter 11, verse 34. Where have you laid him, Jesus asked. Lord, come and see. Now, again, when we deal with John's gospel, John is the most theological of all the gospels. Nothing is done in here without purpose, huh? It was written between 90 and 110 A.D. So the church had grown, they got to reflect on these things, and when they took Jesus' words, they made sure they put him in the right area as accordance to the Holy Spirit, of course. But here, here is the friend of Jesus who is dead. And Jesus says, where have you laid him? And they say, Lord, come and see. What they're doing, if you will, theologically, is they're inviting God to see what it is to be a man. This is what it means to be a man. You die. It's setting up, of course, his whole reality of the passion on the cross. Come and see. Now, interestingly enough, in the beginning of the gospel, remember the beginning of John's gospel? We have the apostles, and they're looking at Jesus, and they go to him and they say, Jesus, where do you live, and what does he say? Come and see. Come and see life in me. So Jesus invites us to life, and we invite Jesus to death. Isn't that nice, huh? He invites us to life, and we'll see he does it very clearly here, but we invite him to death. So always when we're in coming in Christ, we say, Christ, come and see me. Come and know me. Come and experience me, huh? This is what it is to be a man. This is what it is to be a man, and each of us have our own death. You know, I just read last night, it's a phenomenal little book. I don't know if you ever read it. It's just called by uh, Og Mango... Ever read the one called The Greatest Miracle? Ever, how many read that book? Oh, if you haven't, go read it. It's a great book. The Greatest Miracle, according to this man, he's a Christian, is us. It's the greatest thing. I am the greatest miracle. And he goes to the whole reality of coming to know that we didn't have to exist. We do exist, that I can see, that I can breathe, that I can hear, that I can talk, that I can do all these things. And at God, when he looked at me, he wanted me. I'm the only unique person. And you're very happy about that, I know. I'm the only unique person there is. There's only one of me, huh? Thanks be to God. But the reality that each of us are the miracle. We invite him to know our death. We are the greatest miracle God has ever created. And when he comes and he enters into our life, we invite him to experience our death. And each of us, of course, are dead in one way. As I was reading that book, it's because there's so much been happening in my life. More than ever, any other time in my life, there's been so much happening. Last week, you all think I was in a mood. I got all these emails about, oh, Father, you weren't in a mood. I was not in a mood last week. I was tired. It happens, huh? You know, it just gets here. I didn't want to go to a meeting because I had too many that day. It had nothing to do with being in a mood. But anyway, I was just tired. And so in each of us, there's different ways of being death. Some of it can just be too tired. We're doing too much. Some of us are in the death of sin. Some of us are in the death of self-hatred. Some of us are in any kind of death. That's where we are. We invite Christ 
Today, he invites us to see him, but we say, Lord, look at me. Look at where I'm at. Come and see me, Lord. Come to where I am today. And that's what each of us, first of us, first of all, has to do today. Jesus, I'm dead inside in so many ways. I've struggled with sin for so long. I've sat there and been caught up into this bondage. I've been caught up into this death. Jesus, would you come into my heart, come into my life, and see the way I am? And of course, Jesus does. And when he comes into our hearts and he comes into our lives and he sees the bondage that we're in, the death that we're in, what does he do? The shortest verse in the scripture. Jesus weeps. He weeps with you. He weeps over the pain in your heart. He weeps over the death in your life. He weeps over the bondage that you and I experience. He weeps with you in your tiredness. Jesus weeps. And reason why is the same reason for Lazarus. See how much he loved him. See how much he loves you. See how much he loves us. So we invite Jesus into our lives. He sees our bondage and he weeps because he loves us. You know, in my life, more and more, I still think that God is out to get me. You know, every time I sin or when I'm sitting there miserable to somebody, and then I think, okay, God, now you can punish me, please, because I've been bad. And instead of punishing me, what's he do? He weeps. And I say, Jesus, don't do that to me. He weeps with me in my own humanity. He understands each of us, our humanity. He has come to see, and he knows what it is like to be a man or a woman. He knows what it's like. But then when Jesus meets us where, our, where we're at in our death and he weeps with us, he just doesn't leave us into death. Because if you go to the passage of chapter before in chapter 10, verse 10 of John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, he's setting us up. Chapter 10, verse 10, he sets us up and he says what? The thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. And that's where we're at. The thief has got us in a lot of ways in our lives. But then he comes in verse 10b. But I have come that they or you might have life and have it to the full. So Jesus meets us where we're at in the death of our sin, or the death of our tiredness, or the death of our self-hatred, or the death of what us. He weeps with us, but he doesn't leave us there. What does he do? The same thing. Again, this is an allegory. It's true. It happened, yes, but it also is an allegory for us today in my life. He looks at you, he looks at me, and he cries out our name. He says Lazarus, he says Larry, he says John, he says Bill, he says Samantha, he says Alicia, he says whatever, he speaks your name. And then when he speaks your name in the darkness of your death, he brings you to life. Come forth. Come out of it. I have come to give you life. I have come to set you free. A lot of us have invited Christ there, but we haven't let him speak our name. Jesus wants to speak 
your name today and raise you and me to life. That's what Lent's about. And that's why we don't die just in Lent. We look forward to Easter. That's why this is the gospel. Next week we find, I, honestly last night I was sitting there praying at 11.30 last night and I looked at God and as I was praying I said, God, I'm sorry, but I hate Lent. I just do, I hate Lent. Sorry, you got a pastor that hates Lent. I do, I hate it. You know, because we have to sit there and think about, oh, going down and I'm going to die myself. I hate it. I can't wait till Easter Sunday. And Christ can't wait to give us Easter Sunday. <laughs> he loves to meet us and say, okay, you've had enough. Come on up. You know, isn't it interesting that when he, here Lazarus, your friend is dying, what did he do? He let him die. And then he just didn't let him die. He made sure that everybody knew he was in the grave for four days, like I said, to make sure everybody knew he was as dead as dead could be. Three days there's still hope. Four days you're dead. <laughs> Is what they had said, you know. He was dead. And again, we have, to be, we have to know that in ourselves we are dead. But Jesus speaks your name. And he says, come forth. And then when he does that, Let's, the, 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 it's such a wonderful line in verse 11 here. After that, he says, Lazarus, come forth in verse 43 of John's Gospel, chapter 11. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips. Now, this is interesting. Then he says to them, untie him and let him go free. Now, get this. When Jesus calls our name, he sets us free. But we are still sometimes bound. We still have the bondage of death around us. Now, this is where it gets important. It's the others who untied him and let him go free. When we come to Christ and we call and he comes and meets us in our death, and when he calls us by name and he sets us free, it's the others in the community who continue to set us free. We need the body to fully experience the life and to fully experience the freedom of Jesus Christ. It just didn't happen, Jesus and Lazarus alone. Jesus spoke forth his word, he rised up, and then the community went in and helped set him free. When you and I have been set free from Jesus, by Jesus Christ, we need the community around us to continue that freedom. That it is in the community that we find life, and it is in the community that we find true freedom. Untie him and let him go free. Our job as followers of Christ is to untie the people around us and let them go free. Christ does the healing. He does the raising. He does the life-giving. But we continue that ministry. So, today, what is the Word of God teaching us? The Word of God speaks to us and tells us who we are. Huh? We're people that are dead in one way or another. And we invite Him in to know who we are in our humanity. He isn't afraid of it. He enters in. He weeps over that bondage and the death in our life. He speaks our name and he sets us free. We need the community to continue that life and continue that being, us being set free. And then as we are set free, we need to be the people that set others free after it's Christ, not us, who brings them to life after he speaks their name.
You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.